0: Hello and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Turn with me in your Bible tonight to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Glory to God. When I started preparing for tonight, I was going to teach on the the main focus of my message was resisting the devil and what it means to resist the devil and how to resist the devil. But as I got into the scriptures uh, that have to do with resisting the devil, uh, the message uh, expanded a little bit and... uh, so really, the message tonight is how to live the blessed life. How to live the blessed life. Or a sub, another message title could be how to end up on top. Amen. Amen. And uh, it was funny that, that Zach got up and started talking about the young and the old. Because tonight, it seems as I was developing this, that most of my comments would be directed to younger people. And, uh, of course, at my age, that's most of you, you know. (laughs) So, at whatever category of youth you're in, (laughs) praise the Lord, uh, this will apply to you. Amen? Glory to God. Glory to God. And, uh, you know, as as I reflected on these verses, I couldn't help but reflect on the faithfulness of God. In my own life, uh, over the years, and uh, you know, I, I give my testimony fairly often, and, and one thing that I mention from time to time, maybe not all that often, is I, have, I share a similar testimony with Brother Doug over there, uh, with uh, how the Lord dealt with us, probably 10 or 12 years apart, two different towns, we didn't even know each other. But when I was a young man, when I was 20 years old, I was away from the Lord, and uh, my life seemed to be spinning out of control. If I had continued going the way I was going, and this is what I I suddenly realized, and it it caused me to start searching, but I realized that if I kept going the way I was going, I was going to lose everything. And I remember distinctively driving through town one day, and I passed by an old man sitting on a porch in sort of a rundown house. He was an old man. I was a young man. I was 20 years old, and uh, this man was sitting in an old, broken-down rocking chair, and he just—it was just—just uh, just the picture of poverty. And I realized that's—that's that's my future. Now, I don't know. This man might have had a great family around him. And though they were poor, they might have been happy. But the picture that came to me and the Lord used my perception of it was here's a man who's old and alone. And he's wasted his life and he's alienated his family. And he's forsaken. He doesn't have any friends. He's just, you know, just basically waiting to die. And I realized if I didn't change my ways... That was what was going to happen to me, and that really is the Lord dealing with me about that caused me to start beginning to be a little sober-minded about the way I was living because my lifestyle was anything but good and anything but wholesome. And uh, and then you heard my testimony, how I was working for the phone company. I was, I was still based in Jacksonville, but they had transferred me temporarily down to Brooksville, started in, in another small town north of Brooksville. Because there was telephone work. Back back then I didn't work in uh what we called PBXs and businesses. I still worked in the in the main office, main switchgear. So I was installing switchgear, you know, in the in a small telephone office in in uh another small town. I think it was Dunedin. Dunellen, or Dunedin? Dunellen, maybe. Yeah. And uh and then we finished that job and I'm and transferred on down to Brooksville and uh when, when I went to the Bible, I, I was still, you know, even though I'd had that experience, and I don't remember how, how recent it was to me being down there, but uh, so I, I wasn't really thinking about what I had thought about when I saw that old man when I was in Brooksville. But my, my, the reason I turned to the Bible was I was looking for, for loopholes. I was trying my best to prove the Bible to be wrong because I'd been raised in the church and I knew scriptures and I knew doctrine and I was trying in my mind, I was trying to prove to myself that none of this was true. And, uh, you know, I'd been saved as a child, but, but, I you know, even though I was a young man, I had backslidden when I was in my early teens and just been rebellious all through my teenage years. And, and, uh, and then, uh, you know, we Angela and I got married and and my lifestyle just continued to go down. And uh I was really at the point of trying to renounce Christianity, which had I done that, I could have I could have committed the unpardonable sin and been lost forever. Because I was really trying to give myself persuade myself that there was nothing to the Lord Jesus Christ, that he was just a man. And the Bible was a fable, well-intended, but it was just something that men had written that it wasn't, uh, wasn't true. And uh, so when I got into the Bible to start reading and to prove God wrong, he proved me wrong. So anyway, that's, that's part of that story. Uh, in First Peter chapter 5, now first of all, go to hold your place right there. We're going to come back. Go to chapter 1. The, the book opens this way. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Uh, Most Bible scholars believe that Peter was writing to, or I wouldn't say most, the the prevailing, I guess, yeah, the prevailing view is that he was writing to Jewish Christians, believers who had come out of Judaism, and and he was writing to them. But really, uh, this was written... Evidently, the indications are that this was written before the uh, imperial persecution of the Roman government against the church. This was the persecution and the suffering that, that Peter talks about in this book. Uh, really wasn't, like I said, the persecution from Rome so much as it was the persecution of just local people. And persecuted. the church was being persecuted. They were being slandered. Uh, they were being... Uh, they were hated. They were they were called traitors, either traitors against uh, Jerusalem, you know, and Orthodox uh, Judaism, or traitors against the Roman government. Different kind of things. And so that was that was the persecution they were suffering. Not not a, a lot different than today, but much worse than today. Really, uh, the the persecution that Christians suffer in America uh, is is minor compared with what. The church has suffered in other uh, generations, but it is increasing, and it's and it's following that uh, that that track. Uh, there's more uh, bold persecution and, and overt persecution against Christians and against the Bible and against the very just the very idea of God now than there ever has been. But again, it, it pales in comparison to what people have gone through in the past. So they were experiencing a, a time of, of persecution, worse because they didn't come out of a, of a godly biblical heritage in, in Rome and in Greece. The Grecian uh, culture and Roman Gulf culture was not godly. It didn't they? Didn't have you know the 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 uh, the history that we have in our nation? And uh, and so he was writing. I just said all that to say that he was writing to the Jewish people. But there are there are places in this epistle that. Makes you think that he was he was writing to Gentiles as well as as uh, Jews because because the Gentiles were spread uh, uh, and 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 spread into different places because of persecution as well. In fact, in chapter two, he said, verse nine, "You are a chosen generation, a holy priesthood, a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, who were once not a people." but now are the people of God. Well, the Jewish people had always been the people of God. So he was obviously talking to Jews and Gentiles at least. He might've been focused on Jewish people. But anyway, um, the point was that he didn't write this passage or this epistle to ministers, except for chapter five and the first few verses there. He's talking to, he starts out by saying, the elders who are among you, I exhort whom a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. He's talking about the pastors there. When he, when he talks about the elders, he wasn't just talking about older men because he said, shepherd or pastor the flock of God who's among you, serving as overseers or bishops, uh, neither as being lord over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. So except for that passage right there, this whole epistle is written to the, the everyday Christian. Amen. So he says in, Verse number five, and this is where we'll start. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Now here, he's, ta- he's even though he'd been talking about elders, talking about pastors, here he's obviously talking about age difference because he talks about younger people and older people. He said, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Well, why would young people need to submit to their elders? Because generally speaking... Uh, elders, older people, have more experience and have seen some things, been through some things, made wrong decisions, and uh, and have uh, proven what works and what doesn't work. I was read. I was recently in Randy Greer's meeting in March in uh, Gatlinburg and. He uh, he had me come up and minister for just or just share really for a few minutes, and he told the other younger pastors, quite a few younger pastors, he said, "You need to listen to Pastor Anderson because he's made so many mistakes." (laughs) He said, "He said he's done made all the mistakes he's done made all there are. You can learn from him." I thought, well, thank you, brother. I I guess that blesses me. I don't know. But, uh, but then he said, and before we get all carried away with, 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 uh, uh, an extreme version of submission, he says, yes, and all of you be submissive to one another and clothed with humility. What, how in the world can everybody be submissive to everybody? It just simply means being respectful of one another and not insisting on your own right and your own way. You don't have to have it your way preferring the other person. And all Christians are supposed to submit to one another that way. We have a perfect example of that every Thursday afternoon in our office. Because every every Thursday afternoon, we go to Gainesville for a staff lunch. And the conversation invariably goes like this, where are we going to go today? I don't know. I don't care. Well, Kendra, where do you go? I don't care. Angela, where do you? It doesn't matter to me. Pastor Greg, I don't care. Steve doesn't care. I don't care. And we are usually almost to Gainesville. Am I telling the truth? We're usually almost to Gainesville before, I mean, we've kind of narrowed it down sometimes to what side of town we're going to, but we're we're often, I'll put it that we're often on our way almost to Gainesville before we finally decide we're going to go here or there because nobody wants to impose their way. Everybody wants, well, whatever you want. So (laughs) we're a very submissive group. (laughs) Amen. So he says that we should all be submissive, but then young people ought to listen to those who have more experience. That's what he's saying. Amen. Not to be governed or ruled over by anybody because God resists the proud. I don't care how young you are or less young you are, uh, pride is still an issue. And, you know, Angela and I, my wife and I, we have been so blessed in life. But the blessings that we're experiencing today are not just the result of obeying God 40 years ago. They're the result of continuing to obey God. It's not just the result of good decisions we made when the decision I made to leave secular uh, life and go to Bible school. That was a good decision. Uh, if I hadn't made that decision, my life wouldn't have turned out right. Uh, it wasn't just the decision to come here and to pastor the church. It was decisions and it has been decisions all along. So whatever stage of life you're in, pride can sideline you. Because God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. And that's something that we need to uh, be aware of. Therefore, verse 6 says, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Sometimes younger people, uh, middle-aged people, uh, have a problem with the idea of, of humbling themselves under God's hand. Because, you know... I. Uh, when you're young, you you are. It's a natural thing to begin to dream and to plan and think about what you want to do in life and what you want to accomplish. That's a that's a very natural thing. And and a lot of times, younger people can can wrestle with uh, with or struggle with submitting to God's plan. I don't. I, I I want to do my own thing. I want to go my own way. But remember that submitting. Under the hand of God. Remember, it's a mighty hand. And God's might for the believer is always demonstrated in mighty blessing. God will bless you beyond your wildest dreams if you'll just submit to his plan for your life. He will amaze you. He will absolutely amaze you. And it said if you will submit to him... (coughs) If you will humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt you. There's an exalted life awaiting every one of you. There's an exalted life. God has exalted my wife and me and given us a, a place in life and blessed us with such rich rewards. And uh, you know, it didn't always look like it was going to turn out that way even after we were following God. When we first went in, when we first accepted the call of God, uh, we were in, we were basically impoverished, and we never went without food. <clears throat> but I think Pastor Greg talked about this recently. We first started the church. We you know we barely we we had gas money to get into town on Sunday and on Wednesday, and we didn't have we didn't have gas money to leave the house between Sunday and Wednesday or we wouldn't have been able to get back to town and we lived 16 miles outside of town and uh, things were things were tight I, we had not been accustomed to that now when 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 I got back into the fellowship of the Lord I had a good job and I was in, and as I started serving God uh, shortly thereafter I got promoted to a new division the PBX division and I really started prospering and by the time we, we left to go to Ramah, We were living pretty good, and and my wife wasn't even having to work. We had, had we had two small children at home. She wasn't working, and on my salary alone, we we lived comfortably. We weren't I mean, in compared to, to what we had, how we had started, uh, not compared today, but but compared to then, we were we were doing really well. Well, we took a step back, and then as we went as we uh, started ministry and began to. Uh, you know, mature in ministry, the blessings of God didn't seem to be running us down. <laughs> didn't seem to. In fact, I saw other people seeming to be, seemingly being blessed more than me, and I knew I was obeying God. I knew it was in the will of God, and I'm believing God. Angela and I were actively believing God for for blessing and in, in the financial realm and the material realm, we had a, we had a family we were trying to grow. We had things that we, you know, we wanted to accomplish. We're believing God, but it did it. I saw other people seeming to be blessed, uh, above me, particularly other ministers, peers of mine. I just, I would see their lifestyles and they, you know, they drove fancy cars and, and, uh, lived in big houses. And my wife and I, we lived modestly. And, uh, But you know, God doesn't settle up at the end of the week, every week. Amen. Uh, He settles up over time. And when he settles up, it's rich. It's rich. Amen. And uh, so this passage says, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that so that he will exalt you in due time. If you humble, listen. Younger people, if you will humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, He will mightily exalt you. He will mightily exalt you. But then He says, "Cast all your care upon Him." You will have to do that. You will have to cast your care upon the Lord. And Angela and I had to do that. We we didn't we didn't see God's hand uh, uh, exalting us and and bringing us to to the place of 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 prosperity and blessing that we wanted earlier. But we just, we learned Now we cast our care on the Lord. Sometimes we took it back. <laughs> Sometimes we cast it again. And someday we had a great fun, you know, and recasting it, you know. Uh, but cast the Lord on, cast your care on the Lord. And you're supposed to do it once and for all. Because it says he cares for you. The amplified version here, says that, cast the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, and I would say all of your plans, all of your frustrations about your plans, once and for all on Him. For He cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. God cares more for you than you care for yourself. He cares about your future more than you because you don't even know how to care for your future. You don't even know what to desire for your future. God cares for you according to his transcendent knowledge of past and future and no time frames whatsoever. And God God wants to bless you and he, and he cares about you watchfully in that if he, he will lead you in certain paths to avoid trouble. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now I know that sometimes uh people, you know, hear my our testimony and 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 you know, we we try to be uh transparent and let people, you know, know that we're we're just, you know, we're real people. But sometimes I'm concerned that that teenagers in particular, and they're not in here tonight, but Sometimes I I get the the idea that sometimes it's a temptation to think, well, you know, Pastor Angela and and Pastor Anderson, you know, Pastor Edwin, they didn't always do right. You know, they, they sowed their wild oats and they did this or that and they turned out okay. God helped them. They, you know, it didn't ruin their lives. And so, you know, I can live the way I want to. I can be a little loose with my morals because, you know... I know it's wrong, but it's it's not going to ruin my life. It didn't ruin pastor's life. Well, the problem with that is uh, n- nothing, nothing exists in isolation of what you do, how you live. And if you're careless in one area, you'll be careless in another area. You might as well say for a, for a young person to say, well, you know, I'm going to... We're going to sleep around a little bit. Pastor Edward and Angela, they did that, you know. and they, they got okay, you know, they got straightened out in the end. That would make enough sense. That would make uh, 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 the same uh, sense as to say, you know what, I'll just quit going to church. Pastor Anderson, Pastor Anderson, they, went, they quit going to church. I can just quit going to church for a while. Well, now you begin to see that's, that's not smart. Well, I think I'll just completely backslide and renounce Christ. That's what I was trying to do. I'll just become, I'll just get on drugs. I'll start taking drugs and start drinking and start running with the wild crowd and, and, uh, and pick the worst friends I can find, you know, go down the lowest because what pastor did. And, you know, well, it, 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 it turned out none of that turned out good for me. The only thing that turned out good for me is when I stopped doing that and all i did was was postpone god's blessing in my life and like i said i risk throwing everything away because i know people who young people who were raised with me in the same church same families you know our, our parents and their parents all you know were friends we all grew up together i've seen some of them backslide and never come back I, I preached my best friend's funeral a few years ago. He was the pastor's son and he and I were partners in crime. And, uh, you know, they, there's an old, you know, uh, adage that you have to watch out for preacher's kids, you know, cause they're the worst and, and, uh, and well, if that's true, it's only because they hang around with kids in the church like me, <laughs> you know, cause I don't know who influenced who, but you know, he, he, he rebelled against God. I rebelled against God. He didn't come back. He came back into fellowship with the Lord in the, in the last few years of his life. But he had, he had ruined his life. He'd thrown his life away and he didn't accomplish the plan of God for his life. And thank God he, he was back into fellowship with the Lord when he got saved. But he, he lost so much of what, what should have been and died early. Died in his, in his, 50s, 40, 60, early 60s. Yeah, around 60. And uh, so, you know, to, to say, well, you know, pastor got away with it. I can get away with it. No, pastor didn't get away with it. I didn't. And it cost us. And and, and it postpone, postponed God's plan for our life and caused us a lot of trouble and a lot of heartache that we had to we had to be diligent to get through. And that's the next verse here. It says, be sober And be vigilant. Be serious, church. I don't care how young or old you are. Get serious with your life. Because life is serious. It is. Why is it serious? Because you have an adversary. You have an adversary. The devil is not your friend. Worldliness is not your friend. Rebellion is not your friend. Going the way of of this age is not your friend. It's not for you and it does not help you. It hurts you. You You might think you're playing around with the devil, but you need to know he is not playing with you. He is not playing with you. He has your destruction, your misery, your heartache, your sorrow firmly in focus. And that's what he's wanting to, that's what he's working to accomplish you in your life. So if you think you could play around and, and, and just, you know, uh, not take things seriously, uh, that's what we did and it cost us and it could have cost us everything and it could cost you everything. Amen. Uh, It says, the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Uh, You know, he has help too. You know, the devil's not omnipresent. He's not like God. He's not everywhere at one time. There's one devil, but there are a lot of evil spirits. The the world is infested with demonic forces, and they're working constantly to to trip you up, to mislead you, and 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 it doesn't stop when you get into middle age. The devil is constantly in his and his cohorts are constantly trying to ruin your life. And if you keep living in rebellion, if you keep living in in uh, persisting in wrongdoing. The Bible is real clear and history is real clear. This is not just a, a Bible verse that can't be proven. It absolutely can proven be proven that whatever a man sows, that will he reap. And uh, it's only by the grace of God that you can stop a wrong harvest from coming to pass. But to do that, you have to change. You have to get serious. You have to begin to be honest about life and, and, and what you really want to see. Do you really want to live in the fast lane and end up on the porch? <laughs> like I saw that man, you know, I don't know where he lived. I, I didn't know him, but you know, but uh, uh, I've known of people like that. And it's it makes a difference. You have an adversary. He's trying to ruin your life. So what do you do? Resist him. Resist him. Stand. Resist the devil resist resist everything that's of the devil. Don't just think about you know being in your room in the dark and Satan's going to come in and manifest his presence and you're going to resist it. No, you resist the devil every day when you resist temptation, when you resist the uh, 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 temptation to do wrong, to disobey, to to go your own way. All all of that, all of those temptations. If you yield to it, you're not resisting the devil. You're entertaining him. You're doing just exactly what he's wanting you to do, and he's just, he's baiting you. Oh, yeah, it won't cost you nothing, anything now. You just keep going this way. You just keep living this way. You're having fun. Everything will be wonderful. I'm telling you, the way of, of, the, uh, of the transgressor is hard, it's difficult. And only by the grace of God can you get out of that. And, and, and the deeper you're into it, the harder it is to get out of it. Go with me over to James. And let's look at the fourth chapter, James chapter 4. Verse 6 says, he gives more grace, therefore he says, notice he said, this, James said the same thing that Peter said. James said, just like Peter did, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. If you want mercy and grace, you have to humble yourself. You have to be willing to listen to God. You have to listen to your elders who have walked this walk before and can testify and tell you, if you keep going the way you're going, it's it's going to bring ruin in your life. Amen. Humble yourself. Because God resists the proud, therefore submit to God. Well, hallelujah. There's another verse I need to back up on. You know, James is, a, is sometimes a little difficult bi- verse or, or book of the Bible to, uh, to comprehend, but when you read, because when you read James, sometimes it sounds like he's talking to sinners. You ever notice that? You think, who in the world is he talking to? But uh, there's a spiritual application. In verse 4, it says, adulterers and adulteresses. Well, that's a happy church. I don't believe this was a church that was full of people who were sleeping around. He's talking about spiritual adultery, spiritual uh, going after the, the world. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God Friendship with this world is to be, to be, I didn't, now listen, he didn't say friendship with people of the world. He said friendship with the world. Now, we ought to guard our friendship with people who are of the world. But Jesus actually taught and taught about making friends with people in this world and, and, and. And using your money and your resources as a tool of evangelism. I thoroughly believe in in making friends with some people. I don't I I don't make I don't go I don't become friends. And you say, Well, you're a pastor, you live in a you know separated kind of life. You know, well that may be true to a point, because I don't you know have a lot of you know friends outside the church and I don't have a lot of contact outside the church. This is where I work, you know. But uh it's good to to develop friendships with unsaved people but only for the reason of getting them saved. That should be your that should be the only thing that allows you to de- I'm not I'm not talking about casual friendship. You know people at work, hey, they sit next to you in the next cubicle or whatever, you know. Uh I'm not talking about that. I'm talking people you hang out with. You know, you shouldn't be hanging out with any unsaved person except with a view to lead them to Christ. Because if you if you do, and this is this is Bible, because the Bible says that that uh, 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 evil company corrupts good morals. You hang around people that aren't living right, and you're out of you're 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 in disobedience. And when you're in disobedience, you 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 won't you won't be able to withstand the impact of of that temptation, and you will be led away from the Lord. So. Uh, your, your good friends. I'm talking about your good friends. I'm not talking about just people you know. Your good friends ought to be people. And this isn't, you now I start to say in the church. That's it. This isn't to create some kind of a cult, you know, around our church so we can't, you know, talk to anybody. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying your good friends need to be people that know God. People that love God, people, not just casual. A casual Christians shouldn't be your best friends because their casualness will rub off on you. Your close buddies and, 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 uh, uh, guys and gals that you want to hang out with and people you want to hang out with ought to be people who are sold out to Christ. And anything, anything less than that will hurt you. Amen. So he said, uh, Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world, friendship with this world's philosophies, friendship with this world's way of thinking, hmm. you, you should be questioning everything you hear, every every uh, philosophy, every every uh, uh, idea. Perspective that comes your way, you ought to be funneling that through and submitting that to the test of God's word. Does that line up with the word? And if it's not, if it's not according to the word, you need to get it out of your life. Amen. 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 Because you know what you're doing. If you don't do it, you're not humbling yourself. You're proud. You're arrogant. You're thinking, I know better than God. I don't have to submit to God. I can think what I want to think. I can believe what I want to believe. Yes, and the devil will have you. He will absolutely have you. Well, praise the Lord. It's true. Friendship with this world will cut you off from the grace of God. It absolutely will. For whoever wants to be a friend of the world, notice it's the world, it's not not talking about people in particular, but whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. I have witnessed this uh, over the years. I have witnessed Christians who wanted to be, they wanted to be accepted by the world. They wanted to be accepted in, you know, in, uh, they wanted to be respected by a worldly crowd. They didn't want to, uh, they, were, they were afraid of maybe coming across as being religious or being, you know, uh, making people think that they think they're better than them. Whatever the, whatever the rationale, we should not be looking for the approval of this world. Why would we be looking for the approval of people who who don't know God and who live defiant of God's rules and God's, God's law? Why would I want to be respected by somebody that hates God? So well, my friends don't hate God. Well, it, have they heard the gospel and they've rejected it? Well, whatever we call it whatever you want to. But that's defiance against God. Why would I want to be respected by that crowd? I, as a young person... You know, when, when I got back into fellowship of the Lord, I, I kind of still wanted to be like that for a little while. And so I would I would go back and visit some of my buddies, you know, and and uh uh you know, kind of try to hang out with them, but I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. And and one thing that helped me is uh I just God God helped me. That I, I determined I will not compromise what I believe. Because everybody knew what I believed before, and they all believed the same thing. And when I would go over to their, to, to you know, buddy's house and a bunch of guys and people hanging around, they cannot help but talk their philosophy. They cannot help but talk about the things that they value. And I could not sit there in silence and just go, well, yeah, you know, just kind of keep quiet. I had to tell people, you know, I've changed. Something's happened to me. I've I've met the Lord Jesus Christ, and He's real, and and it's, He's transformed my life. Well, you know, you 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 lose friends quickly doing that, you know, because I was not fun <laughs> for them anymore. But uh, it, it's I tell you what, you need to you need to find out who you're going to live with and who you're going to. What crowd you're going to be with? Who you're going to identify? you going to identify with Christ and a sanctified life that's pleasing to God? Or are you going to identify with this world? You're, going to, you're not going to do both. Amen. Praise the Lord. So verse 7, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know, it, it matters uh, that we take a stand. When Jesus was tempted, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to cover near everything I had tonight, but I'll cut to the end here. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, the devil tempted him, if you're the son of man, you know, make these stones. Jesus quoted the word to him, spoke the word. That's how he resisted him, with the word, just spoke the word. That's, that's perfect. Well, that's a good response. He did that a couple of times. And I think on about the third time, He said, devil, away from you, away from me, away from me, Satan. Then he quoted the word. There's something about telling the devil, making making it clear that you are not going to yield to him. You are not going to submit to him. If the enemy has inroads into your life, if he has... uh, If he has a a grip in your life somewhere, if you're in bondage to something that you ought not be in bondage in, if the devil is talking in your ear and you've got this this obsession in your thinking, whatever it might be, if the devil's got an inroad in your life, you need to stand up and say, I will not have this any longer. Yes, quote the word, but you've got to take a stand that is defiant. You have to tell the devil away from me. And the reason the devil doesn't flee very often is because people mildly resist him. They just mildly resist him. Oh, you know, I know I shouldn't be thinking that. Oh, you know, pray in the spirit, quote a few scriptures. That's, that's not being, that's not standing up. You have to stand up and, and square your shoulders and say, stop this. I will not have these thoughts. I will not have this obsession. I will not have this habit. I will not have this thing control me any longer. I renounce it, I rebuke it, I reject it in the name of Jesus and I am free. And quote the word of God. Because the word of God is alive and powerful but, but it doesn't work for the weak-willed. The Bible doesn't work for the weak-willed. It won't work for you. You can quote scriptures all day long but if you're wimpy and weak about it, it won't have any effect of the devil to laugh at you and your scriptures. He'll laugh at you and your scriptures until you, make a, until you make a determination to stand up and say, I will not have this inroad in my life. I'm not going to have the devil doing this. I'm not going to yield to this anymore. I'm not going to submit to this anymore. Amen. Well, I've cut to the, to the chase. and So now it's, we've got 30 minutes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, we have mighty weapons at our disposal. Go with me to Second Corinthians chapter 10. Second Corinthians chapter 10. Hallelujah. You have been given quite an arsenal. Amen. Verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, that is we, <laughs> doesn't mean we walk by the flesh. We, it just simply means we have a fleshly life. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. We have, we have, God has given us weaponry. He has given us resources to wage. When, when we're talking about, uh, you know, our warfare, Don't get the idea that we're in this, you know, uh, death, life and death struggle with the enemy and we don't know who's gonna win. That's not, that's not what we're dealing with. It just simply means that, that our taking our stand is spiritual warfare, but we cannot fail. God will not let us fail if we will use the resources He gives us. Yes, there is, let's put it this way, there is conflict. Yes, the devil will fight. He fights me, but never ever do I ever entertain even the thought that he's gonna win. I know that the word of God will always put me over and yes, everybody is tempted. Everybody gets op- faces opposition. And so this, I'm not in a, I'm not in a struggle in the sense of, oh, I'm just trying to, trying to win this battle. I'm not trying to win any battle. Praise God. I know Jesus has won the battle and I'm just squaring my shoulders and saying, I have what he says I have. I am who he says I am. I can do what he says I can do. I will obey. I will go from glory to glory. Praise God. So yes, there is a there is a uh, there is opposition but the struggle doesn't overcome you or get in you it's something you face and and the reason it's so wonderful is that we have weapons they're not natural weapons they're not fleshly weapons they're mighty what god has given us these weapons are mighty for what for pulling down strongholds if you have a stronghold in your life, it's not going to come down until you pull it down. It's not going to be, it's not going to be, uh, coaxed down. It's not going to be nicely called down. A stronghold is just that. It's strong. It has a hold on you and it's strong. And it's, and because it's a stronghold, it's not going to yield to, uh, just being nice with it. You have to pull down strongholds. We have the authority in the name of Jesus to pull down strongholds and to cast down arguments. It's the next verse. Casting down arguments. This is not talking about your spouse. (laughs) I've tried that, it doesn't work. (laughs) Casting down arguments. What kind of arguments? The devil's arguments. Some some people don't realize when the devil's arguing with them. They don't even realize that they are that they are in an argument with the devil. They just think it's just what they think. Well, I know the Bible says that, but I kind of like this. That's not your faults. That's the argument of the devil. Well, you know, Pastor, I don't think you have to just be so serious. All that—that's an argument of the devil. It's exactly what he says. It's exactly what he's telling you. Are you are precisely listening to his argument? You think it's yours, but it's not. You don't. You don't have a thought of your own. (laughs) In disobedience, every disobedient thought comes from the enemy. Now I know it comes from your flesh, but the enemy is always advocating for that. There's temptations in your flesh, but the arguments come from the enemy. He'll try to persuade you. He'll try to, all those, uh, you know what a ra- you know what rationalization is? Rationalize is a rational lie. <laughs> it's a lie, but it seems rational, <laughs> but it's not. And, and the enemy, you know, he will, he will try to, he will try to, uh, get you to compromise. Compromise, compromise is, is nothing more than the devil's argument. And glory. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Everything that's contrary to the Bible that, that tries to, every thought or idea or philosophy or, or leaning or feeling or anything that's contrary to the Bible, that's exalting itself over the Word. And too many times, people go through life and they just think it's just them. They're just in this sort of mental. I'm just trying to weigh out what I want to do. I'm trying to, you know, find myself. I just want to find myself. Who am? Who am I? If you're if you've been born again, you're God's property to start with. You are not your own. So when you want to find out who you are, you need to go to God, because because you are God's, you belong. He bought you just as just as much as anybody in the old days could buy a slave and own them. God owns us, and I'm just trying to find myself, find out who I am. That's just that is nothing in the world but but letting the devil have a heyday in your thinking and in your in your uh, mental realm. And, and, it's, and it's pride. It's pride. It's what drove me away from, from God was pride as a, as a teenager. I was so sure I knew everything. Now, I mean, I was smart enough to know that I was just a kid and I didn't know everything in life. But I thought I knew better about my what I wanted to do with my life. I had my own plans. And uh, I, I had my own way and, and what I wanted to do and what I wanted to accomplish. And uh, that is rebellion. It's pride. It's absolute pride. Praise the Lord. Some people are proud. And they won't admit it. Why? Because they're proud. (laughs) Everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Now listen. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You have to take your thought life captive. You have to take your thought life. Your your thought life will run away from you and lead you. It's self-directed. Your thought life can be self-directed. It'll just take you where you don't want to go. And you you cannot allow. You have to take every thought captive to the obedience to Christ. Are you going to obey God or not? And if you choose to entertain and to side in with the philosophies of this age or with your physical temptations and whatever uh, 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 is trying to exalt it, it's itself above God, if you side in with that, every step is a step into darkness. It, 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 to, to disobey God's leading, to disobey God's leading and to entertain a fault. A lifestyle, a manner of living, to entertain any of that for a Christian is about like putting on a blindfold and walking out into traffic. Because you are walking every step when you, when you are disobeying God, every step you take in that direction is a step into darkness and you do not know what's about to hit you. The devil lets you walk into traffic for a while. He lets you walk into traffic for a while. But eventually you're going to get stung. Eventually you're going to suffer the consequences of wrong choices, and in and I can tell you from experience, it it can take years to reverse, and and to and to get yourself even after you even after you submit yourself to God, it can take you a long time, depending on 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 what you've allowed to transfer. Fire in your life it can take you a long time you can be following God again but you'll be, it can take you a long time to get back on the blessed life you can my wife and I suffered a lot of things that we didn't have to suffer we did we fought I mean like cats and dogs after I got back in the fellowship with the Lord after she got back to the fellowship with the Lord after we went to Ramah after we started the church and were pastoring we still fought like cats and dogs I mean we fought and it didn't have to be that, it went, what, because we were so accustomed to doing things our own way and, and trying to learn to live together in, in a godly fashion as a husband and wife. It shouldn't have been that way. And I tell you, it's costly. Amen. Praise the Lord. Bring every thought captive. Every thought captive. Well, I was going to talk primarily about resisting the devil. I just gave a lot of examples stand your ground stand be serious church be serious this is not a game if you think it's a game you're you're the mouse he's the cat the devil has your number and you cannot afford to play around with him amen praise the lord let's stand glory to god take your stand for christ amen yeah, but if I do that, it's not going to be fun. I'm going to miss out. Yeah, you're going to save yourself from a lot of heartache too. Amen. Glory to God. My, I tell you, God has blessed my wife and me so much. And like I said, you know, it 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 didn't seem so so obvious in the early years, but we just kept on. We just kept on doing what we knew. We were supposed to do, just kept on obeying God. He's brought us into a place of fruitfulness. He's blessed us, and uh, life is wonderful. Life is wonderful in Christ. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching.